Back for week two of Around the League from SC or from UGASports.com. I'm trying to take from SCCSports.com. That's a whole different thing. That's Jim Donnan. That's Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young. This is the show from UGASports.com where we go around the SEC and uh, kind of tell you what we think about every single game. Only one loss for the SEC coach in week one. And that was just because of an extra point at the end. So pretty good showing other than those LSU Tigers. Yeah, you know, LSU almost pulled it out the florida state florida you use that term for them to florida state almost florida stated it uh, <laughs> just had every reason to win and almost lost it but hey, it was a great weekend of sports and uh, we started out on thursday night watching uh, tennessee balls and then just you know it was it was good everything was it was impressive and it was just exciting i mean in addition to tennessee there was also the great backyard brawl that went down to the wire in West Virginia, unfortunately, JT got, had, got dropped the pass, but that, and then you have, you know, Florida and Utah, phenomenal game, great ending you have. And then the craziness that was the LSU Florida state, just a great weekend of college football. It was, and now it's time for week two, because when the season gets here, you turn the page quickly. We're doing that. Thanks to our friends at Connor Grading and Landscaping and at ASW Distillery. We'll tell you about them later in the show. Guys, let's start with the, the marquee game of the week, and that's Alabama at Texas. Alabama coming off a win against Utah State. Coach, the, the Tide, 20-point favorites on the road. I know this is a Texas team that doesn't have a whole lot in recent years, but that's still a lot of points down in Austin. Yeah, it is. They're going to be playing 11 o'clock in the morning too, uh, uh, central time. Uh, Fox is going to use it as their big, big game at 12 o'clock on the East Coast. So, you know, everybody's getting to the Sark situation, being the coordinator at uh, Alabama and knowing the offense and all. But and realistically, uh, I feel like Texas has made some dramatic improvement, uh, particularly at quarterback and, and the way they – uh, you know, dispense the ball around the several receiver. Defense looks a little better. But the bottom line is, you know, can their offensive line uh, stack up against that pass rush with, uh, you know, Anderson coming off the edge and and playing the ball in the air like Alabama's secondary seems to be doing now. Uh, just a big mismatch up front. Overall, just talent-wise, Sark keep recruiting like he has. He'll catch up with uh, Alabama in about four or five years, but – I mean, you never know, I mean, on the road and all that, but uh, Alabama got too many horses, don't you think, Brent? Big time, too many horses. And you talk about the edge pressure that they're getting. You know, you have Will Anderson already. You have Dallas Turner, who were impact players. You know, Anderson, obviously, in his own category, but Turner as a freshman impact player. But they also got the highest-graded defender in week one for them and played the most snaps was Chris Braswell. And if any of you guys – or if any of those people out there watched the uh, HBO documentary on St. Francis High School there in Baltimore, Maryland, he was a big feature on that documentary. And he's finally, after not playing for a couple of years, getting a lot of runs. So that development from them is good from their pass rush standpoint. I think the other big interesting thing from Bama game one was Bryce Young had four scrambles for over 100 yards. He didn't, have, he didn't even have 300 yards in, in rushing or scrambles a season ago. He only had one game where he actually had more than three scrambles against Tennessee. So if he's going to actually use his legs and be a weapon with his feet, 
that makes their offense that much more dangerous. But Texas, Bijan's going to get a lot of carries. And can he carry the load? Because Ewers actually in game in the first game had two turnover-worthy plays and a 50.8 pass grade. So I think you're right, Coach. Too many horses for the Tide. Coach, the quarterback situation at Texas, it seems like that was something late into fall camp that was still being determined. Hey, you followed that program a little bit because of your Oklahoma ties because they obviously play every year. What have you seen in Sark's development of quarterbacks there? Well, he always going to be quarterback-centric. I mean, he's been that way throughout his career. He was, I mean, you, you don't realize how good a quarterback he was at BYU. I mean, all you got to do is go to YouTube and see some of his highlights. I mean, he was an outstanding quarterback, and he knows how to coach him. But, you know, everybody thought with yours being a pretty boy coming home by that, I mean, he's not – I mean, he's driving a Porsche or something's right about him, but uh, uh, he got it towed, too. He didn't have the right sticker on it, but I, I'm sure they made up for it. But the biggest thing is he's, he's a Texas guy, transferred from Ohio State, and bottom line, he was going to have to really perform poorly not to win the job with all that heat on with the NIL stuff he's getting. And I know that, that Sark doesn't look into that like maybe we do, but, uh, you know, he's a, he's a, was a winning quarterback throughout his career in Texas, and He's got a good skill level, so uh, I'm impressed with him, uh, you know, maybe talking a little bit too much this week uh, for uh, Anderson and those guys. They'll probably be ready to jack his jaws, don't you think, Brent? I I think they will have a lot of welcoming party for him, yes. <laughs> Let's move to our second game, and as we do so, I'm going to do it with bragging rights because, Coach, last week I told you, I, I know everyone's on Utah, but, but Florida, they've got better athletes as a whole. And I think that that came to kind of show Utah's defense not what it was last year. The Gators get the win in week one, and I think the most important game of this week in the SEC, Kentucky at Florida. This is going to set the tone in the SEC, uh, SEC East early. The Gators is a five-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Just a tremendous win for Billy Napier, his staff, Gator Nation, everything. Just the way you want to start out a new program. Just everybody's got – Tremendous confidence. And if you just look at the, the how good they feel about Florida based on a goal line stand compared to how bad LSU feels about LSU based on a non-extra point, it's just the way things are going. I mean, uh, everybody would have been on Napier about how did you lose the lead after going ahead and all that. But the main thing that I saw, Anthony Richard was spectacular. He did everything that you need to do at quarterback with his legs, and he threw the ball very effectively. I don't think they have anywhere near the wide receivers that they've had in the past there. But I think Brent mentioned it last year, the development of their O-line has made their running game a real uh, kind of a stalwart part of their offense and keeps the other team off the field. And defensively, they made some huge stops, some very poor calls by Utah, not just at the end of the game, but uh, end of the third quarter when they had a chance to score. They had three trips inside the 10 and only got three points. Kentucky Wildcats, boy, got some question marks there with their running game, less than 60 yards rushing. I mean, they got more rushing yards against Georgia last year than that. Uh, they've got injuries to uh, their their new running back towards ACL. Rodriguez is not going to play. I just don't think without being able to run the ball that they can be effective enough, even though Levis is a good passer and all that. Uh, Gators all of a sudden got everybody's attention. I know they got mine. Don't they, yours, Brent? Very much so. And I think the biggest the biggest point in all that, that you made was the offensive line. Obviously, Napier brought uh, Cyrus Torrance from 
Louisiana with him. He was their highest graded offensive player. Four of their seven highest graded offensive players were offensive linemen, 285 yards rushing. Richardson obviously is a you know sort of freak athlete that can do some crazy things once he gets in space. But I, I think that's kind of the going to be the calling card. And also just the look of it. Like Napier was just here the whole time and, and calm, cool, collected in, in a very tense setting. You can just tell he's been on the sidelines before and been, had that experience. But I agree. This is one where – the t- you know, all right, Kentucky, you lose your offensive line, your your running back's not there, no running game. Your quarterback was pressured on like forty, almost forty percent of his dropbacks in week one against ball against uh, Miami Ohio. So this could not go well for the Wildcats and, and Florida feel insanely. Good. And we talked about last week, you know, zero and two, one and one versus two and zero for Florida. How do you feel about your new coach? Like from the get go, you know. If they go, you know, go beat Kentucky, they feel really good about how, where the direction they're heading. And I would point out one other thing, too, from a coaching perspective, which I try to add on the show. Sometimes when you have an elite win like that, when you've been struggling and try to get uh, momentum, it's good for your confidence. But at the same time, that edge that you had of, uh, of work ethic and doing everything while everybody's patting you on the back all week, Sometimes you, you're not ready for the game like you should be in your preparation. You spend too much time talking about Utah game and not enough about Kentucky. Kentucky knows how to win. They got a lot of good players, and they, they really, uh, you know, kind of like to play on the road. They beat the, the Gators down there. The, the overall impression I get got of Billy Napier was a disciplined football team, a team that doesn't beat itself like all the penalties that you saw from Florida over the last couple of years. And they just don't give you much. They make you earn it all. Uh, Kentucky's very similar to that. Should be a really good football game. And whoever can tackle in space and put a little pressure on the quarterback, I think is going to win this game. My takeaway in watching Anthony Richardson, holy cow, did Dan Mullen love him some Emory Jones. My goodness. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point there. General manager always looks at all those things and makes some comparisons and for you fans that are just starting to watch around the league, we got uh, Brent, who knows every stat in the history of football, and me, the old coach here, coming in from the rest home. But we got an NFL general manager that's true. Uh, runs the show, Dane Young. He's got really good contacts, and he is the general manager, no question. Of the 33rd team in the NFL. Look it up. <laughs> it's, it's on there. Hey, let's move on to South Carolina at Arkansas. Battle of the former Kirby Smart assistants with Sam Pittman and Shane Beamer. That game in Fayetteville, Arkansas eight-and-a-half-point favorite. Brent, that, that seems like a little much to me, but Arkansas also looked good in its opening game against Cincinnati. Very physical game. I mean, Jefferson had to run the ball 15 times and almost had 100 yards rushing. And, but I, I will say, I, I feel very good about Arkansas in this game for one reason. And unless uh, South Carolina can fix a whole heck of a lot of mistakes from the first game, their offensive line, team run block grade, 35.3, was by a country mile the worst in the SEC in week one. 3.1 yards per attempt running, and Rattler was pressured on 40% of his dropbacks against Georgia State. Like, how's that going to look this week against Arkansas? But – KJ uh, Jefferson played well. Hazelwood and and Matt Landers, you know, one from Georgia, the other used to play at Georgia. Like that's they actually six catches for eighty five yards and a touchdown. So I, I feel like Arkansas, unless the sort of physical game one and a little bit of letdown game two, I feel like they take care of business here. 
Yeah, the one concern I have about Arkansas is their secondary. When they don't get pressure on the quarterback, they gave up a, a lot of yards to a, to a Cincinnati quarterback at just playing his first game. Although he's had a lot of experience playing, he transferred out and then transferred back in. But uh, I agree with you. We talked about the Rattler's inability to handle the rush, even when he's got protection. It has always been a problem for him at Oklahoma, and he showed it last week with the happy feet, two interceptions. We're going to see a team very much more capable of rushing the passer than Georgia State, although Georgia State's got some pretty good players. There's no question about that. Uh, I, I really like Jefferson. I don't think he's going to win a lot of game running for 100 yards, though, because I don't think he's going to do that in the SEC. They're going to contain him a lot better. Uh, special teams, you can talk about it, but it sure helped the South Carolina Gamecocks with two block field goals and two uh, – I mean, two block punts and two field goals, a long field goals by Jeter. So, uh, that made the difference. But uh, Sam Pittman's got this team believing in him. They, they've got a sense of direction. The whole state is behind them. There'll be a sellout crowd. Uh, Rattler's going to have to really prove that he can handle it without a I agree. without a ru- rushing game. Uh, I look for uh, for Sam to put it on his old old uh, cohort here at, at Georgia and Shane Beamer. And after the game, you know, he talked about what he wanted to do is drink a cold beer. I think he's going to drink several after this game. (laughs) (laughs) Coach, with the interceptions, that's a theme that I saw in week one where uh, Spencer Rattler threw two. I think Haynes King threw two as well at Texas A&M and TJ Finley threw either one or two. If you're not protecting the football, and we saw this with Georgia and Oregon with Bo Nix throwing two, you're not giving your team a chance to win. And I think it's even more drastic than it has been in past years. This is happening in the NFL too, where the thing that's rewarded the most is accuracy from a quarterback. So if you're going to be having one or two interceptions a game, I don't know how you stay on the field in this league anymore. Yeah, especially if you don't have a, just a Ben-Hur defense that can, can take the ball uh, anywhere on the field and protect it. I mean, uh, you know, you give up the football to some of these high-powered offenses when they got a short field, I mean, they're going four downs instead of three as far as their approach. I mean, they're going to go for it on fourth down or kick a field goal. So where you turn the ball over is, is important, too. It's a lot different if it's on your end of the field or the other end because of the distance. But I agree uh, with the, all the high-powered offenses, and, and Brent studies it, and he can go into a little more detail. But uh, it, it, just because you're throwing the ball doesn't mean that it's going to be caught. Uh, there are a lot of things can happen. Your protection breakdowns, tip balls, uh, incomplete passes and interceptions. And it's the way of football, a lot more passing involved, but you got to have a quarterback there that protects that baby. Like it's his life because uh, you, you get those errant throws. And then all of a sudden the pick six, uh, you, you've got to really be careful with it. So, I think in the case of Rattler, he, he he has a tendency to throw it up for grabs. He's done it since high school. I don't think he's going to change. And and we've seen that evolution. More teams are passing they are running, aren't they, Brent? Very much so. And I'll, I'll go back to something that probably my middle school coach and definitely my high school coach said. Two out of three things that happen when you throw the ball are bad. <laughs> it's just it's one of those things where if you can't protect the football, you you're going to be you're going to struggle in this league. You're right, Dane. Let's move on to uh, the final big game of the week. And the college football season started in Pittsburgh with, sorry, Brent, West Virginia losing to Pitt mm. on a, a late interception, as we were saying. More on the receiver yes. side than the quarterback side. But Tennessee, yep. ranked number 24, goes to play at number 17, Pitt. The Vols, a road favorite, six and a half points. Brent, 
you don't usually see a road favorite like that, but Tennessee getting the love right now over Pitt. Yeah, and a lot of it's just offensive thing, but I mean they had a it was a scrimmage with Ball State. Like they it, Hooker was only pressured once and in I think thir- almost 30 dropbacks. But what's amazing to me is I don't know if you saw this after the game, Coach Dane, but Narduzzi was like insanely mad about ESPN saying, hey, that West Virginia fans were going to take over the building. No, they didn't. Like he was ripping on Scott Van Pelt and like getting on to him. I can't imagine what he's doing this week with them being an home dog, almost a touchdown underdog at home. He's going to use that to the nth degree in terms of motivation. But I, I think this is a great football game. And if Tennessee goes and wins, you know, we might see a, you know, kind of yesteryear SEC game with Tennessee and Florida, both possibly being three and oh in a couple weeks. Good points about the uh, Sark. I mean, I mean, excuse me about the, the, the Narduzzi. Coach, uh, Narduzzi uh, he certainly uh, reminds me of, of a coach that trying to get some love. I mean, he's, he's right there in the same building with the Steelers all the time. And, you know, it, it's, it's uh, they, but when you look at it, they're defending ACC champs. They're trying to make mm-hmm. a move toward being a top 15 program. And this would be a signature win. I was impressed with Tennessee's plethora of receivers, not just the fact that they could uh, throw the, to guys that have been there, but, you know, a lot of new guys and then uh, just uh, moving around. And as you mentioned, Brent, not much pressure on the quarterback. A key here in this game, how's Will Slovis going to play? I mean, I thought he did a remarkable job playing in his first game in a new offense for uh, the Pitt Panthers, at quarterback after transferring from Southern Cal. And, uh, you know, they really did a good job of uh, hanging in there when West Virginia would make a run, they made a run. And that, that was an inexplicable interception. And what was really poor was the way West Virginia covered it. Looked like none of those linemen or, or receivers or backs or quarterbacks had any idea how to tackle an intercepted pass, and it was just a walk-in touchdown. So, tough, tough opener there for JT. We all were pulling for him, but you know, I think the Tennessee is at a point now that they got to prove that all these expectations are what uh, their team's all about. Because you know, Tennessee has been so down. I mean, it's been, I think, uh, several presidents in terms since they've been. <laughs> And even close to being in a conference race, and they, you know, got a horrible record against their three big rivals, Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida. I mean, excuse me, Alabama, Florida, and uh, Georgia. So, it's a big game, and uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see which quarterback really gets the protection in this game. If if a hooker can just stay back there and pick his guys, it's going to be something. But the one thing you've got to be careful about, and we've talked about it. If you rush him, he's really good at, at making first downs and he's hard to stop. So the one thing that'll help Tennessee, I didn't see Slovis scramble much, and that's always hurt Tennessee a scrambling quarterback. Well, that's our quartet of I was trying to figure out four quartet of main <laughs> games for uh this week and around the league. We'll get to some other interesting games uh, after telling you about our friends at Connor Grading and Landscape. And we're so happy that they're partnering with us once again. They are Longtime supporters of Around the League here from UGASports.com. And if you're watching our video, I'm showing you some of the things that they can do with your yard, whether it be moving some earth with some grading or getting some stone in there to make your backyard look a little bit better. They can really get your house uh, home tailgate ready. Uh, They're Georgia fans. They want to talk dogs when they come out. 
and uh, and do stuff on your yard. Brent, I, I think you were saying that you've uh, had them come out to your place pretty recently. Yeah, they were actually here today. Like I talked to Steve, and he was talking about the game and how, how great it is to be a Georgia fan right now. Uh, and we looked at some things that I want to get taken care of, some front, some side yard work, some some of the front stuff that I've let go a little bit because I've just been busy, unfortunately. And but no, they came out, take care of it. We'll quick estimate, quick, be ready to go do things uh, once it's uh, set all settled in. Great people. The other thing I like about him uh, t- interacting with you and, and listening to you, Brent, about your friends and also the people that when we when I looked at your house was the fact that. You, you kind of told them what you wanted and then they kind of blended it in and made it happen. And that's what uh, anybody wants. Got to be a good deal of both sides. And uh, we're just happy they're representing uh, uh, our program and we recommend them to at least give them a shot. You know, hey, get them over there and see what you need because uh, it, it's amazing. The first look when somebody rides by your house or comes into your house to say, man, boy, that's a good looking yard. And, you, you know, hey, say, yeah, go talk to Connor. They'll get it going, going for you. So if you're in the Northeast Georgia area, connergrading.com. That's C-O-N-N-E-R grading.com. And you know what? Just the kind of people these are, if you're not in Northeast Georgia and you're a Georgia fan and you found out, found out about them on, on Around the League, I bet you could throw some ideas at them of like, how do I get my yard to drain this way? I bet that's something they may get on the phone with you and, and chat about it. Because with the rain that we've had in Georgia right now, you got to make sure your yard is looking good. Uh, so hey, one other that. thing, if you're an Auburn or Tech guy, I'm sure they'll talk to you too. <laughs> yep. Right now, they definitely would. That is for sure. Hey, a couple other interesting games in uh, some out-of-conference games for SEC teams. Vanderbilt trying to go 3-0, and hosting Wake Forest. A ranked game, this would be the biggest win, and there aren't many, of Clark Lee's era at Vanderbilt. But still, uh, can Vandy pull the upset? And knock off Wake Forest coach currently Wake a thirteen point road favorite. Hey, the good news for Bandy, they're two and zero. The bad news is Sam Hartman, a good quarterback for uh, Wake Forest, who's had some trouble with blood clots, uh, has been cleared. This kid was responsible for fifty touchdowns last year. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, uh, when you look at it, only Tim Tebow and and Watson and uh, and Lamar Jackson had more career touchdowns in one game, one season running and passing. They've got an interesting offense, uh, one that maybe Brent can detail you a little bit better, but their quarterback rides the ball up into the line forever before they decide whether to give it or not, and then the guy dances around. It's just like two-hand touch up there, the way they run their inside stuff. But Vanderbilt, impressive. We knew they were going to have trouble with Elon. Elon scored 30 on them, I think, but or I'm not sure, but uh, – Impressive offense. Uh, Wright's doing a good job at quarterback. If Bandit can start out three and zero, then there'd probably be a statue up there for uh, Clark Lee uh, all of a sudden. Because now they're looking at maybe having a chance with a couple upsets being bowl eligible. So uh, they got a tough, tough fight there in this uh, Vanderbilt team. Uh, my old coach, uh, secondary coach, is a coordinator on defense now for. For them and uh, a lot of Georgia fans know Brad Lambert, who uh, has done a terrific job at Wake Forest in the past and was the head coach at UNC Charlotte. So, Bandy will be be challenged with this uh, defense that Wake presents them. But boy, that's a big game. I mean, they might have fifteen thousand people there. <laughs> Elon scored thirty-one points. It was yeah. a forty-two to thirty-one victory for Vandy. All right, Vandy, are you real? 
And can the price continue to be right for Van? Like, Coach, look at I mean, 391 yards and six touchdowns passing, 254 and four touchdowns rushing for, for Mike Wright through two games. That's legit as it gets. That's a, it's a beyond impressive for him. Now, obviously, the competition, but still, even in the past with Vanderbilt, they, you know, they were squeaking by 22 21 or something like that in, in games like that versus actually putting points on the board and doing things offensively. So, hey, big bank game for the Commodores. Let's, let's see them be competitive, maybe pull off the upset. I think Vandy's already exceeded expectations for this year. Now, maybe that's just the product <laughs> of how low they were, but that's two good wins they just had. Yeah, fair. I mean, but realistically, if you look at Vandy over the years, you would have to think that they would beat beat Elon, and then and then with all the people, the depletions on the the Hawaii team. I mean, they had some guys. They went over to a couple of hotels and got asked some guys that were out there on surfboards if they could play defensive back in that game. So it was pretty bad that the talent level there for for the Hawaii. Uh, they just they just don't. I mean, Western Kentucky throttled them too they beat them really badly so i look for i mean they got to play michigan don't they they play michigan pretty soon i I think you're right another game that is at 11 central time just like alabama and texas missouri at kansas state kansas state eight point favorite brent tiger is not expected to win this one this is massive for them for bowl eligibility they don't get this win it's going to be tough it's going to be tough sledding for them to get to – they're going to have to pull an upset or two uh, to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, at least, you know, one person that we talked about last week, Luther Burden, six touches, 43 yards, I think, and a couple touchdowns. They found different ways to get in the ball, both rushing and receiving. Uh, that's about it for Missouri. you got to, you got to do something and, and be legit uh, and, and sort of win this game, or otherwise I think your bowl eligibility is going to be in danger. Coach, any thoughts on uh, Missouri and Kansas State? Yeah, I mean, one of the things about Missouri to me is can they win on the road against a really good team? You know, uh, that's a tough environment now. Kansas State has has their own type of fans. A a lot of guys have agricultural backgrounds. I mean, it's a big deal for them to come in there and tailgate on the weekend. They celebrate uh, playing, uh, you know, any team. But but actually, it's always been a pretty big rivalry when – when Missouri used to be in the Big 12, uh, there was a lot of close games there. So, uh, Luther Burden, though, you can see why Budweiser uh, gave him a franchise <laughs> over there. I mean, this guy is very talented, and you got to give the, the, the coaching staff a lot of credit for the way they're getting him the ball. But, uh, you know, Martinez, uh, a quarterback, for uh, transferred from uh, Nebraska and, and really – I'd like to see him go out and have a big year because he got so much blame there for what was going on at Nebraska. Uh, I think it's going to be tough for Missouri to tackle him in space. And uh, Kansas State is a very well-coached team. I mean, that guy won five national championships at uh, North Dakota State. He knows how to win. It's going to be a very difficult task for Missouri. But, you know, stranger things have happened. Difficult task in the sense of scheduling for Texas A&M. Stop scheduling Appalachian State as an out-of-conference opponent. Just don't ever do it. There's nothing to be gained, only to be lost. And North Carolina almost lost to them in some basketball score that was pretty ridiculous. App State scored 40 points in the fourth quarter and lost a football game. I don't understand how it happens. That's crazy. 330 ESPN2, Texas A&M, a 19-point favorite coach. 
Aggie's going to roll or is it going to be tough? Yeah, I watched that game. Uh, I mean, it's just inexplicable to give up 40 points. And then at the end of the game, they ran a, a two-point play and didn't make it, so they had to try an onside kick. Carolina got the onside kick. Instead of falling on the ball, the guy took it in for a touchdown, and they kicked it, and they were up eight. And there's 25 seconds to go, and dang if uh, Alabama, uh, App State went down and scored again. I mean, Gene Chizik, uh, I'm sure wishes he was back uh, on the SEC Network. <laughs> 40 points. But uh, this A&M team to me, I, I mean, I, I'm a Max Johnson fan. I know uh, certainly all of us are. But I just don't see Haynes' arm strength at any point in that game. I mean, he pushes the ball. He's got really good feet. And they got a good running game. But uh, he's going to throw a lot of balls up for grabs. And this Appalachian State defense – is not that good, but uh, they, they really got a quarterback that's probably played longer than uh, than uh, Stetson Bennett, you know, and mm-hmm. that kid who yep. transferred from Clemson out to, I think, Northwest. Oh, to Duke. Duke. Played for Duke, and now he's playing for uh, App State his second year because of COVID. But they'll give trouble to A&M, but uh, they're not going to score as easily as they did North Carolina against North Carolina. I think A&M – is certainly a good team, but I don't see them being near as threatening with Haynes King, the quarterback, as they have been the last couple of years. Do you, uh, No, and what's amazing when you think about Haynes King is he started three games. One, he got hurt really on against Colorado, so you can't really count that. But basically in the two games he started against Kent State and Sam Houston State, he has five interceptions against those opponents. Like, hey, Dane mentioned it earlier, take care of the football. Like six drive, six drives for AM against Sam Houston State were either a punt, like early three and out, or a turnover. You can't win like that. And you're not going to be sustained. Now you got a week one to week two, you know, how much do you improve? But this is like you said, this is the ultimate like trap game. My, they got Miami next week. Look at you know, looking ahead. Like this is a interesting, interesting game for AM. Interesting start time for Mississippi State. Brew your coffee if you're on the East Coast. Ah, coach is watching this one. I knew oh, it. Coach oh. is watching this one. Kickoff at 11 p.m. Eastern time, Mississippi hey, State at Arizona. I had no idea uh, until I watched a little bit of that San Diego State game that you know they got over 50 transfers playing for Arizona. It's like a USFL team starting out from scratch. I mean, and they did a good job. I mean, they were terrible last year, but that's a big win. They're playing uh, at San Diego State with their new stadium and everything. Uh surprising but well i'm telling you that defense for mississippi state looks pretty salty to me i think that's going to help them and then of course will rogers can dispense the ball uh coach uh coach has been uh leach has been used to playing arizona he was a coach out there in the pac-12 uh it's a tall task for arizona beat an sec team particularly uh, as well coached as they are so I, i'm picking the uh picking will rogers to keep on going there like you said, Coach, all these transfers. Look at last year. Arizona won one game. They lost at home to San Diego State by 24. Play them on the road this year and win by 14. It was the highest their highest team grade for a single game since week two of 2019. Like they've been awful since then. So you know it's it's a great win for Arizona. But you know then you get the SEC coming to town. Rogers. You know we talk about how quick they get the ball short, all that sort of stuff. Against Memphis, Rodgers was four or five, 124 yards and three touchdowns on 20-plus yard throws. So pushing the ball down the field, 
I think they continue to do that and, and get that win on the road in a very late game that I will not watch and stay up and watch. Hey, here's the deal, too. Hard to rush the passer when you're a rhythm thrower. I mean, I don't care uh, how good your pass rush is. Uh, you know, they throw the ball on time, and, and he knows where to go with it. And he's a magician as far as picking up the extra guy if all of a sudden he doesn't throw on time. Hard to sack him, and it's very dis- disturbing to your your offensive team to be sitting over on the sideline, and here they go, making another first down, another first down. You can't get on the field, and all of a sudden you pressure yourself to do things, and you make mistakes on offense. Uh, I think this is a team that is a real threat to be right up there in the second or third or fourth spot in the, in the league and presents a real challenge to Georgia when they go down there uh, late in uh, November. That's going to be a tough, tough ball game for us and let's check the schedule in mississippi state because they handled memphis pretty easily not something they've done in the past that's usually a tough game for them but then if you win at arizona next week at lsu well mississippi state's a better team than lsu so it's just can you overcome the atmosphere of baton rouge at night then after that bowling green all of a sudden if you figure those out you're 4-0 headed into a home game against texas a&m which would be a statement game for leach and one they can win. Already beaten Texas A&M and LSU uh, on the road, so they know how to do it. Uh, they beat in his first year. They beat uh, LSU and then didn't do much after that. And then last year they beat A&M on the road. I'm telling you, the old pirate. He's kind of sneaky the way he talks about his team, and he's kind of not giving them much love. But uh, the thing that's going to help them defensively, they're really saw a solid team, and they they tackle well and uh, got a bunch of guys that play well as a unit. So uh, I'm high on the Mississippi State Bulldogs. Well, if you're going to be up late at night anyway watching Mississippi State on Saturday, might I suggest uh, enjoying some spirits from our friends at ASW <laughs> Distillery. Yes, sir. Uh, you'll, be, you'll be feeling good after that. Uh, I had some on the uh, post-game overreaction show. Celebrating the Georgia win, too. That's right. There you go. Uh, so this is uh, ASW Distillery. Five of their six founders are UGA grads. I'd like to say that they are distilled by dogs. They're based in Atlanta. They have three tasting rooms there, but you can find uh, their products, their bourbon, their vodka, their gin. You can find them in Georgia. You can find them around the Southeast, but also in specific stores out in Texas or Los Angeles. They're really good people. They're Georgia fans. So when you're doing what you need to do at a bottle shop and saying hello to your preacher on the way, because we know that happens, then Give the Fiddler a, sh- a shot. That's the one that I like. There's a few different kinds of it, uh, but try out ASW Distillery products. You'll be glad that you did. They do partner with a lot of athletics in the state of Georgia. They had a bourbon partnering with the Atlanta Braves, celebrating the World Series win. So we're glad to have them as partners here on Around the League and UGASports.com. Uh, let's just mention quickly the final four games. These are cupcake games in the league this week. Southern is at LSU this week. Central Arkansas at Ole Miss, San Jose State at Auburn, and Sanford plays at Georgia. Brent, anything there that catches your eye? Uh, so Georgia, like, do we see Carson Beck set a career high in pass attempts? Like he's ten is his most he's had in one game, both against UAB and Charleston Southern. Do we see him get a lot of time and and throw the ball? Because we saw it last week uh, against Oregon. Branson Robinson, I want to see a little bit more of him because the few carries that he did get, there was some definite juice uh, behind him running. Ole Miss, coach, you're going to love this. Ole Miss, with all the different transfers, TCU transferred Evans and another defender with a couple sacks. Remember the Auburn guy that was like 300 pounds playing tight end for Gus? 
now playing defensive line at Ole Miss, and their leading tackler, transfer from Central Michigan, Troy Brown. Good name. name. Good name that Coach name Coach Donna me. knows in the past. Well, but I, I keep on. You got some other interesting things to say. Go ahead. Uh, well, was, the only other thing would be who plays more quarterback for Auburn? LSU, what do you say about LSU? Like, don't be crazy. Yeah, I mean, that game against Southern, I mean, you know, right there, it's kind of a team from right there in their own school. Uh, I mean, you know, right there in LSU and Baton Rouge. So, we'll see how that goes. But I, I'm looking for uh, uh, Central Arkansas is always a pretty good team. But the team you got to watch, you can throw the ball. San Jose State got a good – always has a good quarterback. They're well coached. Uh, they'll surprise you. They're probably better than that Georgia State team that came in there and really almost beat Auburn last year. So this won't be a walk in the park. But, you know, if they're talking about alternating quarterbacks, Robbie Ashford may be coming in. I thought TJ did some good things. But um, certainly it's great to see Georgia come in as a defending national champions, first game in Sanford Stadium. Uh, uh, Chris Hatcher is a really good coach, and we're going to have him on a little – a special uh, interview here that Dane and I are going to do for all you Georgia Bulldog fans here in, uh, sometime uh, pretty soon. So I'm sure everybody will like that. A lot of good storylines there with Chris Hatcher having coached Kirby or having coached with Kirby Smart and Will Muschamp hiring them at Valdosta State. We'll talk about that with him. Uh, hey, thanks for uh, watching Around the League, everyone. We'll be back for week three next week for Jim Donnan and Brent Rollins. I'm Dane Young saying thank you to Connor Grading and Landscaping and ASW Distillery, who are our sponsors for Around the League. Go check them out, connorgrading.com, or you can check out ASW Distillery at aswdistillery.com. We'll be back for Around the League next week, week three.